there's some pieces of faith in life that are just embedded in our souls, things we've participated in or heard or seen that we never forget. And some of those, as a younger person, you hold on to for a long time. I remember when I was a, a young pastor, my first congregation was out, kind of a rural, rural part, at least a rural part of Wisconsin for a Southern California boy in Faith Lutheran Church in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Uh, Chippewa Falls had running through it the Chippewa River, which shouldn't shock anybody, but uh, it was uh, a, a little less demanding of a ministry than here. Of course, I was a lot younger and not took a lot more effort to do things like write messages and visit people and put together programming, just a whole different thing when you're young. And when you get old, you can kind of crank through stuff. And, but I remember one of the first visitations I ever made was to a man named Mr. Elbert. Mr. Elbert was staying in the Rutledge home, which was a, a memory care facility. And as he did his thing there, he was slowly kind of uh, eroding away uh, to the point where he would go to sleep one night and wake up with, with Jesus. But until then, we brought him communion, and part of my responsibility was to, to go and visit him. And I thought, you know what, this is great, this is cool. He's almost 90 years old, which 30 years ago was a big deal, and, uh, and, he, and he wasn't able to, to talk too much. So we had a little bit of visiting, maybe two minutes, and I opened up my communion kit and poured the wine and put the bread out, and I had a little piece that we went through that was from the old 1941 hymnal, and uh, I started with those words, Almighty God, merciful Father, I a poor, miserable sinner. And it was as if something jumped in Mr. Albert. It, it was as if something had spoken deeply to his soul. He he woke up, he sat up a little bit in the bed, he paid attention to, to what I was saying. I, I had a little devotion, I'm not sure if he was, he was there for that, but when I came again to the words, I said, uh, Mr., if you'd like to join me, Mr. Albert, please. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And there he is, right there, right with me. Every word, precise, on rhythm, from his heart and from his soul. As I prepared to, to, to share the Lord's Supper with him, um, took his hand and started with the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven. His eyes opened. He, his steel blue eyes looked right into my blue eyes. And what a marvelous moment of connection, not because something was new or something was thrilling or something was uh, novel, but because something touched his heart and his soul. And we prayed together that day. It was months later he would go to be with, with Jesus. But embedded in his soul were these marvelous gifts of words, words that meant everything to him. And through the fog and the cloud of dementia, he was able to be connected to the Lord Jesus, to his pastor, to other people, to the communion of saints, to people and Christians throughout the world through those simple words that sat here. It matters that, how, and with what we feed our souls. It matters the words that are spoken to you and the words that you speak. All those words matter because words become embedded in the nature of our souls, in the character of our hearts. They help us maintain perspective and find equilibrium when everything is chaotic. 
And when we hear this here and this there, when we read this on social media and this hits a Twitter feed, and you've got this on TV and this on the computer, you've got the, the phones constantly buzzing, all filled with words. But for Christians, the words of Jesus Christ, the words of the Scripture, help our lives sit deeply in the water of God's grace. And it's that word that brings a sense of perspective to our lives through a pandemic and election cycle. <laughs> For those of us who lived in California, it's been the most bizarre week. Yesterday was in Newport Beach and the whole place was filled with smoke. This week, I, I went out to my truck to get in. It was covered with ash. I looked at the sky on Tuesday and Wednesday, and it was orange with all of the stuff. It's a good thing that God's Word lives in our hearts because there seems to be almost a smoky haze that's covering over not just California, but our whole nation and to a degree our world through the pandemic, the election cycle, and all of the dissonant words that are poured poured out. There's times like when I was with Mr. Elbert that I come back to a word that I know, a praise song, a hymn, a scripture, something that's been embedded deep in my heart through years and years of repetition. I go back into that rich reserve of God's word and find a measure of perspective that allows me hopefully to remain calm and decisive, to not be afraid and to be connected to Christ and his will for my life and our life together as a church. Paul reminds us that faith comes from hearing the message and the message is the word of Christ. A marvelous gift we have in the words that we share. This morning, it feels a little bit more like church. I don't know if it's just Patrick and Abby singing and uh, Dave and Ismail. I just love it. And Josh, I mean, just thank you so much. It feels a little bit more like church today. Maybe that's because we're getting to the, to the end of this thing. And, and, and you can almost start to see the horizon upon us. And so maybe it's a time to think about the perspective that we have here and now and the perspective going forward. And maybe this is the best time in this season to put forward our life group campaign on 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, life, light, and love. And to find a measure of understanding and perspective upon which the platform of the future will be built. John writes... 1 John chapter 1. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That perspective is kind of painful. That there's a measure of honesty about our lives and our behavior and the nature of who we are that needs to be confessed and admitted before God. John, when writing this, is an old guy. He's a guy who's seen it all. He's a guy who Jesus called out of a ship, out of a boat, a fishing boat in Galilee. He called him from a, from a life of fishing and tending nets. He followed Jesus for those three years. He heard the sermons. He saw the miracles. He wrote a gospel. But now he's old. Been exiled to an island in the Aegean Sea, the island of Patmos. He was more than likely the last disciple left. The last one who had heard and seen Jesus. 
And so he writes those words, almost like a wise old sage reporting or bringing words of encouragement to younger students. John says, be honest. Admit your sins. Don't live in this self-delusion that I'm fine and you're fine and we're all fine and we're on our way to fineness and everything's going to be great. Rather, with sober discernment, look at your own life. Because if you hide your sins, if you hide your faults, they will eat you up, they will erode your faith. They will lead you into the darkness of self-deception. Image means nothing. Outward perception is empty. John calls us to words that are deep and rich and soulful. He calls us to deal with the brutal facts of life and to admit and confess the broken pieces of our lives and our sins and lay them before God. St. Paul, St. John writes, if we say we have no sin, we lie. So we look deeply inside ourselves and acknowledge those broken, sinful pieces and confess them. Then our perspective becomes one of repentance and humility rather than image and deception. We acknowledge that we need God and we need what God delivers to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. I wonder what it was like when John wrote that story at the end of his gospel where they had all been on the beach with Jesus. Every one of them had run away. There were only 11 of them left because Judas had killed himself. Jesus started with 12, had an entourage all around him. And now those guys had to sit as young men and say, when it came time to be counted, I was out, I was gone. And yet the scripture doesn't record that Jesus beat them up or that they lied to one another and put on a, a good face to make it seem okay. Rather, Jesus ate with them. He reached out to them. He loved them. And John recounts Jesus' conversation with St. Peter in that he forgave him. Perspective number one, honestly assess who we are, where we're going, and bring that to Jesus. Because the second piece of that godly perspective is even more powerful than the first. John writes, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John had heard the critical message of his mentor, his rabbi Jesus. He'd watched the movement of Christianity go from 11 guys and a few ladies from Easter Sunday, go all the way out now to Alexandria in Egypt, all across the Mediterranean to Rome in Italy. Even now the church being challenged with serious heresy, which we're going to get to in our life groups and talk through. But John leads the original hearers of Jesus back to the original words of Jesus, that he is faithful and just, and that he doesn't come to condemn, but to save and to forgive. Jesus is faithful. Jesus is just. So many years ago, John had run away from the cross that night. And here in, this, in these words, he's leading his hearers back to the cross of so many years ago to purity and forgiveness and the cleansing that comes 
from the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Paul calls it the atoning sacrifice, the sacrifice that made peace with God for you and me so that we're not left to despair in our sin, but God has taken our sin away and drawn us close to himself in Jesus Christ. I wonder what words stuck in John's heart of Jesus. I wonder when, when, when John was quiet and the island of Patmos was beautiful and the sun was going down over the Mediterranean, I wonder what words of Jesus he heard, words that he wrote, I am the good shepherd, I'm the light of the world, I am the bread of life. Before Abraham was, I am. I will be with you always. Or was it the words of the angel at the open tomb, where the angel looked at Peter and John, John winning the race to get to the tomb, but Peter being the first one inside. And the angel said, why do you seek the living among the dead? John had that experience, that vision, that picture etched into his heart. So do you. You see it and you hear it through faith in Jesus. And so we confess our need for Him. Jesus spins on a dime and delivers what we need. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The punishment that is rightfully ours was put upon Him so that we are His friends and close to Him. John wrote in John chapter 3, verse 17, Jesus, didn't con- Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but that the world would be saved through Him. We are guiltless, we are free, we are children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He is faithful, He is just. We have the perspective of the good news of Jesus Christ. And in our mind's eye is the picture of a God who smiles upon us and loves us and enfolds us as His own. A picture from words that we held on to in faith from our baptism until the day we see Jesus face to face. One more piece of perspective as we push forward and push into our our life groups. There's a perspective that sustains us now as well. Since Jesus forgives us all our sins, we are not afraid of other words, other accusations, the voice of guilt in our lives. John writes, we are children of the light. It's Jesus who calls us that. He says, Jesus said, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So Christians operate with honesty and truth, not afraid and fearful like those who see lives through the ebbs and flows of a political lens. Those people are afraid of a loss of a candidate and how that loss of a candidate could change everything. For Christians, we find hope in the perspective and the reality that Jesus is king and he sits on the throne. And we find hope in him. He loves you more than he loves himself. He loves you more than you could love yourself. And he loves you more than he loves himself. God looks at you at a perspective of love, words, the words, the word of God that John leads us to and calls us to are lives of peace and calm, lives of people who have purity from the forgiveness of Jesus and find ways to live out those lives in service to others. We have a perspective of living in the light. 
And where there is light, there is no darkness at all. We are people of the light, people of the truth, people on the way. What words are embedded in your hearts? What words speak to you? I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. What promises of God are rooted so deeply in you that when you find yourself in that chaotic moment, that you find peace. Things at St. John's are gaining steam. We're starting to get after it in a different way. As many of you knew, you heard from the, the video or saw on, on, on email, we'll be having on-site face-to-face worship this week. Our gatherings are becoming more and more frequent. We are pastors have been out arranging baptisms and weddings, funerals, teaching platforms, all of those things. Our cemetery down off Fairhaven in Tustin has been a ministry playground the last two weeks. We've had some funerals out there. Because it's outside and because of the way it is, we're able to do kind of what needs to be done out there. The last couple of funerals, we've had the choir out there singing Amazing Grace, singing How Great Thou Art. How Great Thou Art. People gathered together with tears in their eyes, having those tears wiped away with words of love and words of comfort. It always makes me feel good when people unscripted, what, what, what comes out of them is something beautiful and something timeless and something connecting them to God. At a funeral for Bob Mackinnon this week, we had a, a whole array of people. It was a, a, a wonderful celebration of, of his life and his, actually, he had a marvelous ministry with our Boy Scouts. It meant so much to so many to so many people. <coughs> That's got to be the smoke. I think in 35 years, I've never preached. I've never sneezed in a sermon. That's amazing. That's on film too. Anyways, I go back to, to, to Bob's funeral service out at our cemetery and people are distanced around with masks and all of those things. The choir sang, choir sang the Lord's prayer and, uh, and, and did their thing. There came a point in the service also where we spoke the Lord's Prayer, and it's always amazing when that happens. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray, and without a script and without a piece of paper, those words go from the soul to the voice. I had a moment in that service, too, where I acknowledged that probably not everybody knew the words of the Apostles' Creed, but if you knew it, you could follow along. And I started out with, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And the whole assembly said, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. I'm reminded of the words that are embedded in our souls. And words mean things. And the words of God for us in Jesus Christ mean that you are redeemed and forgiven and that God is close to you, not condemning but speaking his words of love and affirmation. Perspective. Sin and grace, grace and purity, light and courage. Perspective of eternity and peace with God.
in the name of Jesus. Amen.